Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. So if you guys are anything like me and you struggle with allergies, raise your hand because I am right there with you. I get super itchy throat, itchy ears, and I sneeze like a crazy woman. And it really does prevent me from wanting to take my daily walks with my husband. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. It is designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongests your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes and an itchy nose and sinus congestion and pressure with an ease, which is a exactly what I need. So I have been using them anytime that I have allergies, which has been many, many times. I have found that it has definitely helped me so much where I can go outside again and enjoy my day. So if you guys are ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it is time to live Claritin Clear. It is fast and powerful relief. It's just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Our mind is not our brain. Our mind and brain are separate and the mind changes the brain. What can the everyday person that maybe can't afford counseling or what can the person do when they're listening to this and they're like, okay, that's amazing and I'm excited, but what are the practical steps in implementing that in their life? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Juniana Mopola. If you are new here, and happy, happy Tuesday. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday, um, I post these every single Tuesday. I am back with another episode. Now, for me, it is a Thursday. I'm actually going to go see the Barbie movie tonight. Now, I'm not exactly sure when this podcast is coming out, but uh, the Barbie movie came out, I think, last week, and I haven't seen it yet. I might have some thoughts. I don't know, but um, I'm excited to see it. So today's been good. I've just been in the thick of wedding planning. It's been really good. We've been just checking off all these things off our list, um, and I've been enjoying it still at the same time. And let's see. I probably will have been already traveling at this point. We are going to LA for our engagement photo shoot. So I'm again, I'm not sure when this is going to be posted, but check my Instagram to see our engagement pictures because I'm so excited. I like literally cannot wait. And um, Caleb and I are going to go pick up some cute little outfits for that tonight. So we're pretty pumped. But you guys, so this podcast is called Happy and Healthy because I really want us to be healthy, happy, thriving queens and kings here. I really, really do. And something that I'm really passionate about is also talking about things to better our minds and our brains and the mental health aspect because it plays such a big part into all of our lives. Like half the reason why we do anything is because of the things that we're thinking, the thoughts or the lies we believe or what we've been taught since we were young. And so I am so, so excited about bringing on Dr. Caroline Leaf. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf has so many credentials and she is just a smart, just a smart cookie. She really is. And I have been trying to get her on for so long because I've read her books in the past. Sorry, I'm like Googling her bio as we speak because she has so many credentials that I just don't want to mess it up. I've been trying to get her on for such a long time because I read her book, uh, how to switch or switch on your brain. I had a friend give it to me genuinely so beneficial. I definitely like recommend you guys check it out. So Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and a clinical neuroscientist whose passion is to help people see the power of the mind to change the brain and find their purpose in life. Um, and so, yeah, she is incredible. And we had the best conversation talking about trauma, generational trauma, bad red flags in counselors or therapists, ways to practically change your brain, to create new habits, how long it takes to see changes in your life, what to do if you've experienced like some really hard things in your life. I mean, we talk all about it. She gives so much amazing practical advice and tips and things that we can implement into our life. And so I think this episode is going to be such a blessing. And I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. So let's just get right into it and bring on Dr. Caroline Leaf. 
All right. Well, Dr. Caroline Leaf, welcome to Happy and Healthy. Thank you so much for coming on today. How's your day going? It's going really well. Thank you so much. It's lovely to meet you, Janine. And did I say Janine or Janine? Oh, God. Uh, Janine. Yeah, Janine. Sorry, I got thrown there for a second. I thought I'm sure it's Janine. <laughs> That's okay. And you're well, from uh, South Africa, right? Yes, I'm from South Africa, but I've been in the States for the last 15 years almost, and I travel all over the place. So, And I'm Swiss by marriage and Italian by birth, so I don't know what I am at this stage. <laughs> That's amazing. That's kind of how I feel. My dad's from Germany, my mom's from Guatemala, and then I was born in the States, so I'm even like, what am I? And uh, it's, But it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to be a little ambiguous, you know? <laughs> it is. It's great. It's lovely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, my podcast is Happy and Healthy. And really, my goal is to help people become happy and healthy, whether that is mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And a lot of the topics that we do talk about are regarding all the things that we're going to talk about today, whether that's mental health or depression or anxiety or things we're struggling with. But a lot of my followers um, did submit questions for you. And I wanted to, because some of these things I'm like, I don't know how to talk about that because I'm not, you know, a professional. So I'm really excited to have you on because you are the pro. I've watched a lot of your interviews. I've read your book, um, Switch on Your Brain, and you've also recently released a new book. So I'd love for you just to introduce yourself, who you are, all your background, and also your new book. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be with you, Janine. And I'm actually a by profession, I'm a psychoneurobiologist. It, it's the area of study that, I've, that I'm in, psychoneurobiology, which stands for mind, brain, body. And I trained as a communication pathologist and audiologist and neuroscientist. So I've been in this whole brain mind thing for nearly 38 years now. Um, I practice clinically for 25. I still do a lot of research. I don't practice anymore because I do basically write books and do conferences and we have a we've created a mental health technology platform <clears throat> excuse me which is really great because mental health as we're going to be talking about today is something that's confusing and we're trying to help it and make it accessible and affordable for people to be able to empower themselves to manage their mental health so that's a big focus of my research of the work i brought my clinical expertise into into that platform and um, the most recent book that I've released that is coming out on the 8th of August is to help parents help their children with their mental health. You know, there's a lot of crisis, as we know, globally with mental health, but with children, it's it's really got bad. And um, I basically help parents, you know, this book is to help parents to understand how to manage their mind and help the child to manage their mind. Because even though we talk about the crisis being in mental health, it's actually the crisis is not actually in mental health. Mental health is the result. The crisis is in how we're managing our mind. Mm. If we don't manage our mind properly, that's going to lead to all kinds of repercussions. So there's a little bird's eye view. That's so good. Well, wow. and that's an incredible book that I'm sure will be extremely necessary and important for even like young moms that are trying to think about these things going ahead because I mean, for me as, you know, wanting to be a mom one day, the, the thought of having children in this world, to be honest, it kind of scares me because I'm seeing the decline of people's mental health. We saw what 2020 did to a lot of people. And so can you just kind of give a little bit more information in that book? Like what are some practical giveaways or practical takeaways, more should I say, that people can start thinking about now as they're learning to raise children or want to have kids? What are things that they can work on now so that they're blessing their future kids? It's a great, it's a great question. So that's the, this is what the book looks like. It's obviously reversed on camera, but it's how to help your child clean up their mental mess. The book prior to that, which um, oh, it's not on my table here, but it's called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. So this book that's coming out for two to ten year olds, but for parents, it's geared to parents to help children. And then the, the, the cleaning up the mental mess, that's for basically adolescents onwards. So both sides of the coin. Then I also have an app and all that. So everything we talk about today, you'll find in the book, the book's, um, in the latest book with for children and then in the app which is basically me giving you therapy and walking you through the whole process of how to manage your mind and which we'll talk about today in terms of mental health some practical things well the most i think the overarching concept is that our mind is not our brain our mind and brain are separate and the mind changes the brain so we can't change what's happened to us 
and lots of things are still going to happen to us those happen but what we can do is we can change what they look like inside of our mind brain body connection which is our psychoneurobiological network and therefore influence how that plays out into the future so that's a hopeful message because things happen to us traumas have happened of various different on a, on a scale of one to ten the tens being the worst and ones being the day-to-day -day stuff and all those things affect us and we're still going to go through things but if we don't manage them they will spill over into all areas of our life and as we know early childhood things affect adulthood and as we know um, everyone's pretty familiar with the fact that chronic unmanaged toxic stress will lead to all kinds of physical and mental problems and so we can be proactive so a big takeaway from that book is you can't change your story but you can change what what it looks like in your mind brain body network and therefore how it plays out into your future and therefore equipping children to tell their story Mm, that's so good. And you're right. It is very, very hopeful to hear that of knowing like, oh, I can change this or this is not, you know, not all hope is lost in this situation. And I think the reason why I was really drawn to your content was that you were the first Christian psychologist that I had really come across. And one of my friends um, gave me your book and she was like, you need to read this because I think I was really stuck in a victim mentality and I'm like, it's just going to be like this. And you talked about being able to change our neuro pathways. Is that correct? Psycho neurobiological network. So um, I, as a, as a clinical neuroscientist, what I do is I work in the, the, the connection between the mind and the brain. So it's not just in the psychological realm, it's actually helping people to understand that your, the psychology drives the neurology. And so if you think of it like this, you're, if you're dead, your brain's disintegrating, it's doing nothing, so is your body. But when we're alive and we're having this conversation and we're in life and we're doing all the things we're doing, it's our mind that's actually that life force. So our mind is where the action happens and then the mind uses the brain and the brain and the body respond. And so that is very hopeful because that means that every experience that we have, like this conversation, for example, is being built by the mind into the brain as tree-like structures in the brain also into the body so the experiences become part of us you know mind brain body network mentally and physically via our mind so mind's doing doing the work and that means uh, what it also means is that our brain can change because if i'm as we are having this conversation now our brain is changing your brain changes from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you go to sleep and at night time it's also changing but it's, it's being prepared for the next day so if our if our brain is always changing because our mind is always changing and the mind changes the brain we can therefore change things that's the key thing here we are humans are messy life is messy life is challenging it's okay to be a mess that messiness shows up in the mind brain body network but we don't have to stay in that mess we can we can literally capture that and rewire the network in the brain the changes in the body and in the in the fields of the mind three places by understanding how our mind works wow that's so powerful that's exciting because it gives a lot of hope to people so i was going to say when you know if someone is listening to this and they're like on fire now they're like yes like let's do it what can the everyday person that maybe can't afford counseling or what can the person do when they're listening to this and they're like okay that's amazing and i'm excited but what are the practical steps in implementing that in their life so that's uh, that's very important place to start because our current um, philosophy um, of mental health or the messaging that most people are getting is pretty much all about how um, if you have symptoms then you've got to eliminate the symptoms through a, get a diagnosis and eliminate the symptoms now that sounds like a good idea but it's and it's great when it comes to something like diabetes or heart problems or immune system you know diseases of the brain of, and the brain and body but when it comes to life and mental health and mind and our humanity and our experiences in life that just looking for a symptom to eliminate is not going to solve the problem. So how we show up in any one moment, and when I say show up, like right now, you and I are showing up. We're showing up, we have emotions, we, are, we have behaviors, we have a perspective, our body's responding, you know, we're both alert, etc. That's how we're showing up in this moment. So we could analyze how we're showing up in this moment, and it's a good conversation, and we can get to the, you know, the, the thought that's building around this conversation is about mental health and all that stuff. Let's say that it, it, let's say a person has a toxic experience, so they may be bullied, or they're having a, they're getting bullied at work, or in the marriage, or at school, or something like that. That is also being built by the mind into the brain and the body, and the mind. So three places, and that then is affecting how we show up. So the first place to start is, 
if something how how am i showing up in the moment standing back and observing ourselves and, and looking at ourselves and thinking okay i'm feeling very disturbed at the moment maybe you've just woken up or maybe you've just got back from a meeting or something's happened or you have an email just received an email or something is to analyze how am i showing up in this moment what are the signals telling me Maybe I'm feeling very anxious, maybe even panicky. So that would be emotions. My body's tensing up. Maybe I've got um, heart palpitations, bodily sensation. Uh, maybe my behaviors are getting um, maybe irritable with your kids or getting snappy with your colleagues or whatever. So the way that you're behaving. Um, and then the perspective, oh gosh, this has happened again. It's always going wrong or something like that. So it's how you're looking at life. So you would look at those signals, but they don't tell you much detail yet but just looking at those four categories of signals which obviously can break down into a lot of detail those four signals will bring the thought um, that that this is that this is coming from into the conscious mind and then we can start saying okay well why am i going through all of this and you sequentially work through a process and that is that aligns with how the mind brain body network builds the, the, the experiences in the first place. So how the mind gets stuck into the brain is a process. So how we fix ourselves is to look at the how we show up and using that same process, re, reconstruct, deconstruct and reconstruct and to find uh, to to work out a, a better way of moving forward. So if you if you is battling with extreme depression and withdrawing and you know, battling with the relationships and just very it's sort of looking life sucks that kind of thing and it's really bad it's impacting your daily functioning it's just sit still take stock and start with those four categories and then work through a process a sequence which I, we can get into it's called the neurocycle which is how we make that mind brain body network work to rewire it so that we can change how we're going to show up and that's a process it's wow. a daily planned and guided process that makes changes happen. So it's not just doing a bunch of different things, like a bit of prayer and a bit of meditation, a bit of breathing and a, and a nice technique here. It's being very deliberate, very organized, very intentional, planned and guided sequence daily over time. And the time, I can talk about the time that it takes to actually form habits that will create change in your life because it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes a minimum of 63 days and sometimes wow. multiple cycles. So that's if you really want to change and get things under control in your life and even grow your resilience. If you, you need to be planned, guided, daily sequence that aligns with the mind brain body network and do that over time. And it starts with being aware of how you're showing up. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Wow, I feel like I need to go back and like write all that down because I'm like getting so much good information right now. And it's it is interesting because I was gonna say to you, like, how long do you think that typically takes? And I think when we're listening to other podcasts, everyone is just like, if you do this daily, you're gonna see changes. But no one really does talk about the actual length that it takes to genuinely see true change in your life, especially when you're probably un unwiring things from childhood and childhood trauma or things that happened five years ago. And um, I'm sure you've heard of that book, um, Your Body Keeps Score. How oh, yeah. true is it that your body does keep score? Well, a lot of the work I do is, as a psychoneurobiologist in the research is to look at what's happening in the body physically when you have an experience. So not just looking at the psychology, but looking looking in three places. As you have an experience, it goes into your mind, your brain, and your body. So the body keeping the score is the body part. So what we see in the research that we do is that we know um, that every single cell of your body, I mean, this is kind of overwhelming if you, with the numbers I'm gonna throw at you now. <laughs> we have 37 to 100 trillion cells in our brain and our body. And as we are talking now and we're listening to each other and having this conversation and the listeners and viewers, in at 400 billion actions per second you're converting this conversation into a network in your brain and it's going into every single cell of your body in the brain it looks like a tree and in the cells of your body it looks like little vibrations inside protein 
a protein skeleton. So every single cell of our body, all 37 to 100 trillion, had this little protein skeleton. And I know this is quite sciencey, but the reason that the body keeps the score, which was such a great title, um, is because it's inside your body. It's inside your brain. It's also inside your mind. And there's this mind as a gravitational field. So think of a field, like a sort of, you know, think of a wavy thing that, you know, when you look at a podcast, you can see little waves. Think of a tree and think of a little structure inside a, a cell. And that is where this conversation is going. And so if this is a good conversation, this is going to be helpful. But what happens if it was that childhood trauma, if it was that persistent abuse, if there was an issue that's going on in, in a marriage or whatever? So it's, it's toxic, so it's not healthy. That's also going into all those different places. Or someone who's a combat veteran or someone, you know, a child who's suffered from extreme years of, of sexual abuse or something like that. That is inside of you. So that collectively works together and influences how you show up. So at school, not concentrating or in a relationship, not really committing or feeling a lot of depression and affecting how you are sleeping and you know all the different ways, you know, getting really worked up about things, maybe being irritable, maybe uh, whatever, how are we showing up, the patterns in our life, the more there's an established pattern of emotions and behaviors and perspectives and so on, the more we know that that's an established cause, there's an experience that's been embodied. And so what we need to do is that that thing that isn't just fixed, it doesn't just stay stuck, it actually grows all the time. So until we deal with it, it just keeps growing. Because why? Because it's part of all the networks that are driving your ability to function as a human. So you may not consciously remember an abuse maybe as a child or the details of something, but you maybe you're forming a new relationship and the person says something and it, there's something about what they say triggers something in you and that then it just affects how you bond or how you discuss something or whatever the case may be. And that's because there's an undealt, with, undealt trauma. And that undealt, with trauma, undealt trauma isn't a nice looking tree. The trees are made of proteins in the brain. The proteins have got to fold in a certain way. If they don't fold properly, they create a problem. They create a problem like a virus would create a problem. So your immune system and your body, which keeps the score, start working with the mind to fight that. So you get a little bit of a war going on in the mind-brain-body network, and that pops through into our conscious mind as like feeling disturbed, not feeling great, like feeling mm. things in your body, feeling things in your emotions. And we should never ignore those because every time we get that sensation or that combination of sensations of those four signals, emotions, behaviors, perspective, and bodily sensations, if we don't do something, pay attention, embrace them, process and reconceptualize them, they go back into the unconscious even bigger than before with even more influence. And then eventually that just accumulates and accumulates and you can land up in a really bad place. Wow. So if someone is feeling that, like they're feeling off, they're feeling like, okay, something's not sitting right. What would you recommend them do? So do they do they stop and they say, okay, why is this bothering me? Do they just take an audit? Like, what should they do when they're trying to figure this feeling out? That's an excellent question. So that so basically, if you're at work or somewhere that you can't take the time to work through something, because you're going to need a little bit of time to do the sort of do the take take the audits. I like to use that's a great way of putting it. Um, so in that moment, just maybe you've still got to go to another meeting, maybe you've got to still look after your kids, whatever it is that you've got to do, you may not have the time then. So just acknowledge, first thing is just to say, it's okay to be a mess, something's disturbing me, I'm not sure what it is, and if you can, just in your iPhone, just, just write down a few things, just quickly write down how you're feeling, um, we, we, how it feels in your body, you know, what you're doing, and it might be four words and what your perspective is, and just like make a little note then say okay when I get home or when I've got a moment I'm going to actually sit down and explore this so it's to train yourself to be self-regulated like that to stand back and observe yourself it's like getting a multiple perspective advantage on how you're functioning it's almost like watching yourself through a lens so it's training and, and the more you train yourself the more skilled you become at this and the more you tune into all of these signals not just your body but you want to tune into all four categories of signals and then you need to take the time you can't just be aware so that that's step is getting you aware once you're aware and you now have let's say you've got the time to sit down and work through it you then need to focus on the next step so you look at those four signals you say how you feel what you're doing etc that, that i explained then you would reflect and reflection is asking yourself why it's like shining a light through a prism and it comes out with color on the other side mm. and then you start asking the why which takes you a little deeper as you've done these two steps you've brought the, that 
tree into the conscious mind and on a neuroscientific level you've weakened the, the, the distorted proteins and in the, the branches and the roots, the roots being the source. And that's a good thing because now if it's weakened, you can change it. Wow. And that's why I say you can change what's happened to you, but you can change what's in you. So this is the rewiring of the neural pathways concept. We have to get the tree to a point, the thought tree and the body response to a point where you can make changes. So that first step and second step create that space. If you just um, meditate or breathe or say a prayer or whatever, that's going to help. But it's it's um, it's it's brain preparation. So it's not going to make a change, a complete change. You have to wind in these steps. Otherwise, you don't change the networks. And the networks are what are actually going to drive your output. So you, prior to doing those first two steps, and I'll tell you the other steps in a moment, it's always good to do a little bit of brain preparation, which could be anything from saying a prayer, doing some breathing, doing some meditation. There's lots of great ideas out there. Mm -hmm. In my app, I walk you through this, literally walk you through this. In the children's book, I give you ones for children on how children can do it, etc. Then once you've reflected and you've got this activity happening in your brain, now the networks are ready to be rewired. So then you go into a writing process, but it's not journaling. It's basically a brain mind dump. You just put down whatever thoughts have come up and literally it's all over the page. The more messy, the more colors, the more pictures and bubbles, just literally dump it down. All of these steps are timed. You don't spend hours on each step. You limit it to two, three, two to three minutes per step if you're sitting down. If you're in the moment, you can do it in 10 seconds. So let's say you're in a meeting, you can also you can use the same system very quickly just to help you get yourself together if someone is driving you nuts in a meeting or something like that. Um, so there's a, you know, two applications, one for the moment-by-moment -moment daily struggles and the other for the, the patterns in your life that are disrupting, that are creating sensations of depression and so on. So you'd write it down, then you that's a big mess all over the page, and that's really digging deep. It's opening up the roots of the tree. It's activating the entire body to respond, and now the body, your insights increased, um, that all the energy waves in the brain and the body, etc. So all this sciencey stuff is happening, mm -hmm. and now you can change. And then the fourth step is a reconceptualization. This has happened. What can I do? Then you close the cycle with an act of reach, which could be an affirmation, a prayer, a, a statement to yourself like, "It's okay. I'm a mess, but I'm getting through this." And you do this daily. You know, we spoke about the time. You mentioned just now. No one talks about the time. People talk about daily routines and all that stuff. You can do all those daily routines, but put them into this framework. Mm. So if you've got a daily routine, put the, the you know put make sure that your routine follows in the inner framework. If you've got like a little gratitude exercise that you do, don't do it out of this framework because it's not going to have a long-lasting, sustainable change. Now, it's something like a gratitude diary or something like a um, a little quote you love to quote that would go into step five to carry you through the day. Mm. Each day you're going to learn more. You're not going to solve this in one day. That's why you need to go through the 63 days. So a lot of the research that I've done, and I'm doing a big study at the moment, where we are con confirming these numbers. And what we see from years of research is that for a, um, a, you're always changing. You're always growing networks, but if they're just little and they don't have enough energy, they're not really going to influence your life. So you, you know you've learned something, or you know you know something, or you've heard that great idea on the podcast, but it's just a little tree. It didn't have enough attention paid to it. Whatever you think about the most grows. So by working daily on something, it keeps growing and getting more and more energy. And when it's, got an, when it's big enough, think of a plant growing. When it's big enough, then it can actually will be useful. It'll be a change that you will apply in your life on a consistent basis. And that takes a minimum of about nine weeks. Of wow. Yeah, that is such great, like practical advice. And I think that's definitely going to bless somebody today. So thank you for sharing all of that wisdom. Um, how do you, because you are a Christian working in the scientific medical field, essentially. How do you kind of implement your faith within some of these practices? Because, you know, I don't know how you feel, but like, is it hard to balance science versus God? Or do you find that to actually be an easy crossover where you're like, no, science proves God and vice versa. So how do you implement your faith within all of this? Probably because I don't look at it in, in such sort of very simplistic terms. I look at it, I look at it as godness and the hugeness of god and see i see myself as being very spiritual and as the word science comes from the word skura which means knowledge and basically what we are doing as humans is we are getting knowledge about ourselves as humans how to function and how the world works in all the different aspects so science is very spiritual there is there's not really any distinction between them it's just two sides of the same coin 
Um, so there isn't really conflict there. It's just how it's been approached. The religious circles have approached it from a very, it's much better now, but it's, you know, from, a, oh, it's science is bad and don't think and everything, but science is, Science. If you don't, if science is bad, then you should, you can't have the lights in your church because lights are based on light energy is based on science. So you know people can get ridiculous on both sides. So it's a matter of how you look at the picture. I've never seen a problem between spirituality and science. Two mm. sides of the same coin. Absolutely, I love that. That's so good. Listen, guys, Janine and I have been married for six months, and the reason why it is a beautiful marriage, it's because of Thrive Market. Thrive Market. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. We genuinely love you so much because of Thrive Market. We're able to save so much time through ordering all our grocery and household essentials through the app or website. Uh, guys, it's just a huge stress relief. And you guys also know I have gut issues, like really, really, really bad. So finding you know food with top quality ingredients is super crucial for me. And Thrive Market not only does that, but they restrict a, over a thousand harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, and a lot more. And guys, when, if you're parents and you have, you need to find organic kid snack, they have low sugar alternatives and high protein essentials. Jenny and I are also training for our marathon. So it is so beneficial and we can find all of our protein options and snacks through Thrive Market. And guys, save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash healthy for 30% off your order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash healthy thrivemarket.com slash healthy. Um, can I just ask you about this? Because I think when I'm on social media and I'm looking at TikTok, I'm, I've seen the word trauma to become a buzzword, a buzz. Yeah, a buzzword where everything is associated to trauma. That's trauma, their trauma, this is trauma. Can you talk just more about that of what is actually trauma or what are some people being in victim mentality or what? Because I think it's like it's all becoming one to where everything is trauma and everything is bad. And it's almost like I don't know how to differentiate whether like, okay, that was something that was hard or that was actually trauma, you know? Mm, no, it's such a good question. I'm actually really glad you've asked this because it is very confusing and this is where you know, social media is a great, great platform, TikTok, everything. It's so they're not the problem, it's how they're managed. And that's how you manage TikTok for yourself or how you, you know, dive in and don't just accept everything but question. So that's a really great que that question that you're asking. So yes, the word, this happens. This happens from time to time. A word becomes a buzzword and then it just beces a myth. Like, to, it, like the myth of it takes 21 days to form a habit. It's a total myth. It was never mm. scientific fact. Ever. So, okay, so coming down to trauma, trauma has just become a very um, a, a good word to explain um, the experiences we have as humans, but it has been a bit confused. So that's why I love to use the scale from one to 10, where big trauma stuff is on the eight, 19 scale. So that's your being in a combat zone, um, being severely sexually or physically abused, being in a constant racist environment, being in a not being involved with someone who's taken on who acts who acts out in a lot of narcissistic ways. So there's a lot of bullying and damaging in the relation, damaging things going on in the relationship. It happens on you know it's it's that, that kind of trauma, socioeconomic, political. That would be where a person's life is threatened, where their livelihood is threatened, where they who they are is threatened, etc. So that would be on the eight, nine, ten of the scale. On the one, two, three, that's the day-to-day -day stuff, like things that we just, we messy, humans are messy. There's no normal brain, that brain, that was a study coming out of Yale in 2018, I think it was. There's no perfect brain, there's no normal brain, there's only unique brains, and unique brains are run by unique minds, and it's messy. We, we don't know what we're going to say in the next moment, we stumble, we falter, we fix it up, we correct, we self-correct. Um, you know, that, we, someone says something to us, we maybe snap back and if we thought about it for two seconds we wouldn't have snapped or that messiness is is very much part of our humanity and so that would be your one two three like maybe snapping at someone maybe getting irritated in traffic and that kind of thing the middle of the scale and that wouldn't be trauma the middle of the scale would be things that are patterns that are starting to develop that are starting to disrupt a relationship your your work life you how you feel about yourself so that could be um, something that you're in a 
getting involved with a group of people or starting to scroll on social media too much and you're starting to see you know this is the perfect body which is very it's happening a lot now we see with with young girls this is the perfect body and unless i have that kind of body i have no value so where they put their full identity and it leads to contagion and cutting and you know there's a whole problem going on with that now because whatever you think about the most is growing so if you don't help a child to manage that on social media they're going to get so caught up in that scrolling that it wires into the brain so that wouldn't that that is that is now moving into the 8 9 10 that's becoming a trauma so what started off as innocent scrolling but you know not a little bit you know too much a pattern is five six seven now started becoming a point where that that child has has total um, you know, getting anorexia, you know, battling with eating, maybe cutting, withdrawing. So now that's become a, it's turned into a, a, to a trauma. So yeah, we've got to make that distinction. So it's a great question. Things become, you know, TikTok is good and it's, it's brilliant. And it's also got a lot of problems because of yeah. any social media platform. Things get caught up victim mentality, blaming. There, there was also, there's also a trend, which has started a couple of years back about everything about how you show up is all your mother's fault and or all your parents fault now it's worth spending a bit of mom moments on that because it's also trauma related the trauma experience as a child thank goodness we are talking about trauma as a child and let me tell you i'm a mother of four every mother messes up their child you can be the best mother in the world messy uh, parenting is messy but mm. that messiness can be managed so it's a situation of oh i'm sorry i said that it's owning your mistakes it's acknowledging explaining to your child why you maybe got upset or my whatever's going it's not hiding it it's being honest and open and so that that trend of blaming the parent i always try to help people to see it in in the context of you as the as a as a parent were someone's you were someone's daughter and they came into their parenting with their baggage you going into your parenting with your baggage so unfortunately no matter how fantastic you think you are as a parent or want to be as a parent there are things that you're bringing through, plus your own traumas from other things, right. and that comes to the child. So we 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 got to be careful of that kind of trend of thinking that the parent trauma is the cause of all my thing, which leads to the victim thing. The reason I'm reading there is the yeah. victim mentality situation that it's not my fault, it's everyone else's fault. We can't. We've got to we've got to get an intrinsic locus of control. We can't have everything. I'm like this because of my mother. I'm like this because mm. of what happened to me. Sure, you are. What happened to you has affected how you're showing up. It's how I started this conversation, but we can't stay stuck there. We can't say okay because that happened to me. It's all their fault. Therefore, I don't have any responsibility. What happened to you was terribly unfair. It was hopefully shouldn't have happened. But you have a responsibility to work out how are you going to make the story look different inside of you the story has happened the trauma has happened what are you going to do about changing how it moves in how you move into your future and so that shift i'd love to see a little more and we're hoping to be trying to create that kind of trend as well on social media platforms to help people wow. to move beyond yeah i am so so glad you said that and i think that's something that needs to be talked about so much more. I think there's so much blame shifting happening and you're absolutely right. Everyone is blaming their parents when it's, it's, it's like, I did that a lot growing up as well. And then I remembered, oh, my parents are humans too. They had their own traumas that they don't even like to talk about. And I think usually it's because your parents didn't heal that they bring some things down to you, but I don't fault them for it anymore. You know, it's like, I love that you're saying like, take accountability and responsibility for what you can do, because that's really all we can do is like manage yourself and, and worry about yourself. And so I'm really glad you mentioned that because I don't think that's a lot of the, that's like not the popular opinion. I feel like. And, and another way of looking at it is you've explained that, you know, you've summarized it so nicely. Another way of looking at it is that your parents did impact you. You do have the right to work on, like you said, you, you blamed your parents for stuff because it's stuff that, and there was valid that you did that but at the same time we have to balance that by recognizing as i said they were someone else's they were someone else's daughter or son and they therefore have their that baggage came through to them and they're dealing with that stuff so it doesn't excuse what they've done but it helps it puts you in a place where you can actually say i have the right to work on my stuff and i'm not dishonoring my parents because they've gone through stuff but i do need to work on my stuff and I need to work on the impact of this. And hopefully in working on the impact, there's connection back with parenting. You know, I remember sitting with my mom a few years back. She's 80, was when she was 85, she's 87 now. And just talking with her um, and sitting down and saying, you know, they, they, they just, she just said, she actually said to me, is there anything I did 
as a parent, it was such a great thing that she did. Wow. That statue. And I said, you know, I can't think of anything at the moment because, you know, she's 85. And then I said, oh, there was this one thing that actually, if I think about it now, it did affect me, but I've dealt with it. She said, I actually want to know what I did so I can apologize. And that was such a healthy moment. And I realized when I started speaking to her, actually, it had been suppressed in me. I had suppressed it and it had been influencing how I saw myself and came out with my kids. And I had this conversation with my kids after, and they said, yes, this is how it came out with us. And we're so glad you sorted it out with your mother, because now it won't affect them anymore. So, but that was, you know, it was a healthy, very healthy conversation. Wow. That is amazing. And I wish that everybody had that. Like, I think there's so many parents that will never, ever recognize the pain, and they'll never say, how have I hurt you? And they want to be like, that's not my fault, or they just don't even own up to it. And I think that's like, Man, best case scenario, if your parent does say that, and I wish everybody had that, but it's a bummer because not everybody does. No, they don't. And you know what really got my mom doing this is she was watching how I brought my kids up. And wow. this is my kids will tell me, Mom, you said this and you did this, and this has really, really hurt me. And it really messed me up for a while. And it's very hard to hear that from your kids. My kids are adults now, 14, the ages of 24 and th 25 and 32. But to, to the bonding, the relationship, all four of my kids work for me. They're my best friends. We have a great relationship. Still, mm. if there's issues, we talk about them. And I think that's what this is what I'm trying to teach with this book too, is yeah. give children the tools to to collaborate with you, to tell their story, to create these deep, meaningful relationships, which build the resilience and then help them cope with the, the inevitable traumas, big stuff, middle of the road stuff the seven eight nine which would be considered your little traumas and then the day-to-day -day struggles which aren't traumas they're just the day-to-day -day stuff mm, that's so good yeah and it's perfect because someone asked me um they said how do you deal with generational traumas biblically and so would there be any advice differently with a biblical perspective or would you still say like this is typically the best route well i'd go with the psychoneurobiological network approach this mind the science approach because science is the how-to so um, that's without sounding like I'm trying to knock anything, it can be very limiting to say biblical perspective because where does science come from in the first place? Science is the how-to. So if you talk about capturing a thought, that's a script, that's part of a scripture. Now, how do you do that? Do you, what, do you go find them like this? So, you know, it's, it's not, how do you take that scripture, which is almost philosophical, and translate that into the how-to, and that's where science comes in. So therefore, in dealing with some anything, the scientific approach is how I would is the how-to. Think of it that way. Science is how do you do it? What are the steps? What do I actually do to make those changes in my life? Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, in your own life as well, and I know with mine, like inviting Christ into that method of like, God, help me change or help my parent change or like inviting the prayer into that to pair that with the scripture and the science, because um, I think that's kind of what I've had to do. And I do believe prayer works, but I also love that you're get, you're giving like practical things that people can do. I think that's so beneficial. I have to. Yeah. So another thing that someone asked is what are some like red flags in a counselor? I know this is kind of a random thing, but you know, when you're trying to find a counselor, it's actually difficult. Like I had a counselor and I was just like, this is not something just not clicking here. What are some things people should be looking for versus running away from? <laughs> so first of all, it's a good idea to understand very briefly. This is one of the first questions you ask is the difference between a counselor and a therapist. So a counselor doesn't have the same training as a therapist. Therapists have, have more years of training and are trained to deal with more, you know, with bigger things. Counselors are more advisory. Therapists are going more down to the sort of deep root stuff and helping people to deal with those. And there's different methodologies that they can use. Um, so in red flags would be if you sit in therapist or counselor's office and they're doing most of the talking, that's a red flag. They are telling you, giving you long explanations. Sometimes, it, let me sort of rephrase that, sometimes you need to give an explanation. So there may be in an hour long session or something, there may be that you do talk for a good five, ten minutes or, and, or have five, ten, even fifteen minutes as you're explaining a concept and, and guiding the person through that process. So that is, is, is to watch if, if, as you say something, there's, you feel like you're not getting a word in edgeways. If they talk a lot about themselves, they keep relating everything back to their own experiences. Now and then that's great, but it's not their counseling therapy session, it's yours. The other thing is if they're trying to fix you, no one can fix you. And you'll pick that up in just the way that they come across. No one can fix you. A therapist and a counselor is a facilitator. 
as therapist, um, they, I, I train up, I have certified facilitators. So I call them facilitators because you're facilitating someone to be empowered to help themselves. You know, that goes to the whole idea of, you know, accessibility and affordability of mental health. You, you can go to a therapist and a counselor, that's great, it's great support, but you're not with them every day. And that's another thing. You you can't see someone every day. You've got to you've got to. It's not practical. It's not affordable. But also, you live with yourself. You wake up with yourself twenty four seven. You wake you. What are you going to do with your mind when you wake up with your in the middle of the morning, of night and you've got a panic attack or you're anxious or you're in the car driving home from somewhere and you feel overwhelmed? You can't just always pick up the phone or text your therapist. You need to be empowered to help yourself. So your therapist plays a role in the facilitation, the reconceptualization helping you to reframe and to see things from a different perspective. Just And it should never be, you should do this. It should be much more one of, here is something you could try, and maybe this is a way of looking at it. You know, So those are some red flags. If you've been told, do this, you must do this, you must do it by this time, that's the only way. You know, Those are definite red flags. Wow, that's really, really good. And I love that you even touched upon knowing that, like, okay, your therapist is not living with you, because I think a lot of people become very dependent upon their therapist where they're like, I need to talk to my therapist. I'm going to call my therapist. And it's like exactly what you said. I think that's super important to know that they're like a tool, but they're not the main tool, you know? And I think especially as a Christian and, and just as a human being, that's like trying to work on being more, a little bit more self-sufficient than being dependent upon a counselor. I love that you touched upon that because I do see that a lot of people become very, very reliant upon their mm -hmm. counselor where they don't even know how to process things or make decisions on their own anymore. And I think that's where that can get a little risky. No, that's a problem. You know, when I was still practicing, we would actually have a little contract and I'd say, look, this is the, these are the cycles. We work through 63 day cycles. You'll come for 10 sessions and we are working towards empowerment. We're working, we're not working to dependence, we're working to withdraw. So you need to know how to get to the point where you're not relying on me. As soon as you're relying on me, that's a big red flag. Mm. You don't want to rely on your therapist. You've got to learn to rely on yourself. Your therapist is your facilitator, your support, almost like your coach. Yeah. And um, you know, there is a bit of coach doesn't have the tra if you've got deep trauma, you need to see, you know, a therapist is going to have more knowledge and skills to be able to facilitate and help with that. But it's, so I would have these contracts and we would evaluate every 10 sessions. We would see, okay, where are we in the cycle? And the point being to try to get decrease, decrease, decrease so that you wean off and then only as needed now and then. So it's very much an empowerment, good therapy, good, any good guidance for anyone is empowerment based and there's a pathway to empowerment. And the biggest part of that pathway to empowerment is you first have to know how to manage your own mind. Because then when you manage your own mind, you can go to the therapist and say, I've hit this roadblock. This is where I'm at. Don't know what it means. I need a little bit of clarity here. So you're much more focused and directed. Same thing with kids. You know, this, this system that I've developed called the neurocycle, as you as a parent learn to do it for yourself, and then you do it with your children, you are giving, and it takes a bit of time to learn it. Not, it's, I make it really easy. I mean, I give you so many simple tools and techniques to make it super easy. But you equipping your child with the ability that if something happens to them, if they're two years old and they are being abused by someone, and that abuse, sexual abuse happens by people we know, that's the that's the scary thing. Most people are children are abused by family members or friends of the family. And a two or three or four year old don't know how to talk about that. And no one really knows how to talk about that. But by having tools like, for example, we have this little toy called Brainy, which mm. is a character that we have throughout the book. And he is the little Brainy character that is a superhero that walks your mental health journey with you. And um, it superpowers the neurocycle. When you teach kids concepts like that, you're giving them the tools to be able to say, pick up this, when they pick this up and, and they come home from school and they pick this up and they show this to you. And they maybe demonstrate with the toy what's happening, or the toy's crying, the toy's sad. The, the kids will yeah. say that that is your clue that something's going on. So, and that and that's so huge because sexual trauma very often isn't picked up until a lot of damage has been done, and yeah. it's very, very, very. I work with a lot of sexual trauma, and it's so pervasive in the lifespan that this is really one of the big thing, reasons why I've written this book is it's not just about sexual trauma, it's about everything, day-to-day -day struggles, identity, you name it. But it's um, if we can get a child from young to say, talk about how this sibling pinching them on the playground or something, or taking their toy or jumping on their bed, something simple like that, if they know how to process that, they can then learn to translate that and get to the point where if something big does happen, they have a way of telling you. And that's really, really important. 
Man, that is so powerful. It's exactly what you're saying. Like a counselor gives you tools to be able to be independent and and self-manage yourself and exactly what a parent is supposed to do. And I think that's exactly right. Like a counselor, um, they should be technically saying, we don't want you to come back because we want you to be healthy. We want you to be self-sufficient. And it's funny because my fiance always says, he's like, your therapist has a paycheck too. Like, some bad therapists, I think, in my opinion, they're like, oh, we want you to come back because I got to pay my bills. But I think a good therapist is like, we're giving you the tools so that you are healthy and you can be good on your own. And I think that's so powerful that you talked about that. And I really believe your book is going to bless people. I can already think of some people in my life that I'm like, I want to give that book to them because they do have kids going through very difficult things. And I think, yeah, empowering the younger generation to be able to process these things and not you know, walk through these traumas that they don't know how to express. I think that's so powerful what you're doing. So thank you, Dr. Caroline Lee, for everything. I think you're an incredible woman, so wise and so gifted, and I love learning from you. So thank you for just taking time out of your day to share all these amazing tips with my audience. Thank you so much. It's so great meeting you, and I loved, our que- I loved your questions. It was, they were really good. Thank really you. Good. Yeah, a lot of these I was like, oh, and I just want to ask her that because I didn't, I didn't even really plan that much. I just wanted to see where the conversation led. So thank that's you for great. being able to entertain them. Of course, there's always the best conversations anyway. So, well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed being with you. Of course. And just, will you just let my audience know where they can find you, follow you, and when they can get your book and where they can get your book? Absolutely. My social media handles Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I'm on all the platforms and my webpage, drleaf.com. The book's available wherever books are sold. Um, and it's available from the 8th of August, the new one, but there's a lot of other books available too. And the Brainy Toy, and I have a coloring book, which is great for kids too, to help them with the whole mental health journey. It's so great. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I really loved this conversation and I'll be rooting you on from afar. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was the episode today with Dr. Caroline Leaf. Please let us know on TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Let us know if you guys enjoyed today's episode, because to me, It was a blessing. You guys can check out all her links down below and feel free to tag us on Instagram. We love to repost you guys. We also want to feature you guys more often on the Instagram. So whenever you're listening or anything, tag us. We want to reshare them, post them, do all the things. We love seeing your guys' content. So that would be so fun if you guys could tag us. And let me know if this was a blessing. I feel like for me, I need to like re-listen to this episode and then take notes. So this might be one, take some notes and do all that because... There's just so much amazing truth in this podcast. So anyway, thank you guys for hanging out with me today for another episode of Happy and Healthy. Just so you guys know, we will have a merch drop probably coming next month. It's just one item, but it's been something that you guys have been highly, highly, highly requesting again. So stay tuned for that. We're super excited to get those ready to rumble. But love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me on today's episode of Happy and Healthy. And I'll see you guys again next week. Until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.